Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. Cynthia Alberto is Filipina, an artist, weaver, weaving activist, teacher, and founder-director of the Brooklyn-based weaving studio, Weaving Hand. She is a graduate of the Fashion Institute of Technology with a BFA in textile surface design and exhibits her work worldwide. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. It was great. Um, Thank you for inviting me. I would love if you could start out by introducing yourself and sharing a bit of your journey towards becoming an artist and a weaver. Yeah. um, Hi, my name is Cynthia Alberto. I am the founder and director of Weaving Hand. Um, Weaving Hand is a Brooklyn-based weaving studio and a healing arts center. Um, We use healing as a a traditional tool with children and adults with disability. And we also celebrate the fusion of traditional and contemporary weaving techniques with our studio classes, workshop, commission, outreach program, and exhibitions. Um, we just we just weave with everything. That's what it is, basically. <laughs> hmm. um, uh, I s- graduated from FIT back in 2002. Wow, that was a long time ago. And I studied uh, textile surface design, but specialized in weaving. And 11 years ago, after a life change, I... Um, opened uh, Weaving Hand. It started out really as a small weaving studio just for kids and after school program and it kind of somewhat organically grew where we are today that we pretty much have a lot of like stuff all over the place and very thankful for this journey because this studio really healed me and my children and that's why the core you know Heart of the studio is really about healing and making sure that it's inclusive and it's uh, for everybody. What is it about weaving as opposed to other sorts of artistic mediums that drew you both as an artist and also as wanting to use it in a healing way? I, cause, um, I mean, I was originally a painter before. I, hmm. I did a lot of painting and that was one way for me to also kind of... Um, express my artistic and also when I'm kind of down I used to paint all the uh, all the time and then when I went back to school after my daughter was like a year and a half um, and then they just kind of like gave me weaving it's like okay back then they're like you don't really choose for some reason they think you're good at it this is at FIT and they're like okay you you are gonna be a um, what do you call it, a weaving, um, you're going to specialize in weaving. So I kind of like fell into it as an accident. And, and I, in the beginning, I really didn't, I was very impatient, dressing the loom, warping, that was like the stuff that like I didn't want to do. But I think as time developed, that is really now the stuff that I love to do, because the weaving part of it is really the easy part, but it's actually preparing is really now I, I love doing that. Um, as far as the healing, I think I I really didn't think much about it. It was the monotonous feeling of being in front of the loom that you're kind of like lullabying your mind into somewhere else. And the repetitive motion that kind of drew me into it and just and, and it's all very immediate after you dress the loom that you see you see right there that you have made something like a cloth 
and the project is very real in front of you. And what was it like in those first few months when you opened your studio? What was the reaction to people in the neighborhood and how did it go? Uh, it was re it was really one of the few, um, what do you call it? in um that i that i did um so it was like oh my god there's a weaving studio people kids can go we could weave so i really like i i i graduated from fit and then i worked for stephanie odegaard she revitalized the whole somewhat of the whole tibetan carpet industry during the the 90s and the early 80s so i worked for her and we developed stuff together and after my life changed she said, well, you know, just go ahead. It's time for you to swim now. So I kind of opened it, not really knowing what I was getting into or what loom I was going to buy. It was just like being thrown in an ocean and like, wow. okay, you're going to go for it. You don't know what you're doing, but we need to survive. We need to feed the kids. We need to make sure that we are not in this mental, you know, um, what do you call it? State of shock, right? So it was just like an ongoing like day to day and then like relearning what it's like to run a studio with no experience. So then what happened was like after a while, I kind of got a, a template, just like anything else. There's a template. Once you know the template, then you could replicate it with other things. Um, but there was really a lot of uh, that was in 2007. I opened it in 2007, so there was a lot of interest with the kids after school program. And, you know, people want to see the loom, so it was really an exciting time. And then after a year, um, what do you call it, I had um, an intern, her name is Owen, and then I had Vishnia. She was one of my teaching artists, and they came in and they wanted to be partners. They are the, now the Textile Arts Center. So they came in. As, the, as like a partner, and then we rebranded into the Textile Arts Center. So, but then the, the relationship and the partnership didn't work out, so then I backed away from it, and they said, you guys should keep your Textile Arts Center, and I'm going to go back to, you know, my vision of what I want weaving hands. So that's how the separation kind of like started. But the platform that I built... Um, Within Weaving Hand, that's how it kind of like sprouted from. And, you know, we're all friends now and things are good and there's room for everybody. So, but there was definitely a lot of interest. Um, and still now with weaving and with, um, what do you call it, healing and crafts, I think there's really a need for it right now, especially during this tumultuous time that we're having. You know, we need to go back with our hands and kind of relearn what we learned before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you you lead workshops in your studio and you also lead public events called Weaving Together. What yeah. exactly are those and and how do they how do they go? Um well, it started out as it's like just weaving together meaning like you gather it's like almost like a a sewing circle. So you gather people together, but with the loom, it started one time around in the park where I would bring the looms, would sit around. And I, I think, and then I started this whole thing like a couple of years ago, five or six years ago, which is, it kind of sprouted from this collective communal consciousness, which is also coming from where healing is coming from. You know, when you are, 
what do you call it, engage with somebody with a group of people and you're talking about your trauma, you're talking about your day, you're talking about your children, you're talking about the world. There's really um, a great feeling that you're not alone. There's a camaraderie, kind of like that. So I started it as like just like going to different neighborhoods. It started out at Pioneer Works, which is in Red Hook. So we brought the big looms there, and now I'm designing my own loom specifically for for this kind of event. So we brought the loom to Pioneer Works. We gathered the community, and we asked them to bring materials from their community, and we started weaving it together. So that was um, really, that was like four or four years ago, five years ago. That's how it started. So it kind of like, from there, it kind of developed into like more of weaving together in different places. And then now what I do, instead of like asking, you could people can still bring their materials within their community. But we're doing now, what I'm doing now is like more of an activism where I'm inviting, we're doing zero waste weaving where we're actually asking people to bring their old clothes or materials that they normally would just throw in the garbage and we cut them into strips and we weave them together. So we just recently did a weaving activation at Union Square Park uh, for Earth Day initiative to celebrate Earth Day 2018. So that was using just the rolling rack loom because it's much easier to like kind of transport them and so people were really happy to weave and gather and see that out of this you know rolling rack you could make something out of it so it's it's a happy event of celebration gathering people but at the same time you know there's a conscious message like the environment for per se for example that we need to be conscious and be aware of, you know, our waste, and we need to really take care of it for the future generation. Yeah. Yeah. You must hear so many interesting stories when you show up in a public space with a loom. Like, what what are the unexpected things that people people show up and talk to you about? Yeah, they're like, oh, is this how they make fabrics? What are we making? Are we making rugs? Are we going to have a tent? <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're going to lie on it? Yeah, they're just like, especially the kids. But the, it's beautiful to see that. I mean, even my kids now are doing this with me. They like to show the over, under, and we explain to them this is like another version where, you know, our fa- the fabric of our clothes come from, but they're done on a, a bigger machine. So, and yeah. So there's just a lot of like questions. And I think a lot of happiness. I think that's what I'm really the joy of being in a public space and talking to people and gathering people and talking to people so there's like a communal consciousness it's um that we we could still relate to one another even though like there's so much technology out there yeah yeah so how does all of this communal consciousness and joy of weaving show up in your own artistic practice when you're weaving for yourself or for exhibitions um well i'm so I am I'm gonna talk about my own personal work and I am gonna be at the Museum of Arts and Design for the month of June, July and August. We're having a big performance as um I'm doing an artist residency. Hmm. So yeah, so I'm bringing the two looms that um I design over there so we're gonna have some communal weaving which is also people bringing in their stuff up on I'm taking over the whole sixth floor and we people can just hang out and talk because the, the Mad Museum is um, 
really an incredible museum where they like engage their artists and they show the process. Now it's not like your the art is not like you like the, for some museum and it, this is not a judgment. This is just an observation. Like the art, like you don't really know exactly how it's connected. There's like kind of like a wall, right? Mm-hmm. But with the Mad Museum, it's really the process of like you see the artist doing it. You're engaging. It's a very beautiful, friendly, open, you know, atmosphere. So I'm going to be weaving that, weaving together and inviting people to weave. And then we're going to have a, a dance performance of the cocoons on August 2nd. If you guys are around where we, uh, we repurpose the, I'm repurposing the neon ropes from the MoMA PS1 exhibition hmm. from, uh, yeah, the, the, my friends, they're from Mexico. Andres and Favel uh, did an installation called Weaving the Courtyard with this neon ropes. So they donated all the ropes to the studio, and now we're making, um, weaving them into cocoons that are going to be dancing. So we can have a DJ. That's August 2nd. We'll, we'll do if you, it'll be all on the website. On top of that, I am kind of also like going back into my own culture. You know, I'm from the Philippines, and I'm weaving all this, like, amulet, kind of, like, um, woven concoction pieces where it also has to do with healing, and people are donating their hair. They can drop it off to the museum, their own, you know, hair, like uh, human hair, and they could drop it off to the museum, and they could drop it off to the studio, and I'm going to be weaving everybody's hair on this four looms that we just, um, that I, um, what do you call, we fabricated. So again, the whole idea of communal healing, communal gathering, because I am in the museum, but only I'm just a vehicle, like I'm almost like the loom that weaving everybody together. (laughs) Does that make sense? It does. That's such an interesting image to think of the artist as the loom. When did you first start thinking of yourself like that? Yeah, there's, I, I, the the last past year, like since the residency opened up, I've been like thinking about, yeah, I am, because I've been doing a lot of hair loom, but then it kind of like propelled into like at the museum, at the residency, you are the loom, you're weaving people together through their hair and through that healing because it's also going to be infused with a lot of amulet and like a lot of like charms from my country from the Philippines and from other places of the world as well yeah so you've done a few different series of of work with hair they're really powerful what is it about hair that that draws you and attracts you to work with um I think as um it's always I mean, hair could be superficial, you know, we're always touching our hair, but hair is also an ongoing process. If you cut it, it grows, right? There's always that abundance with it. Like, you know that it's going to keep going. If You're going to grow again once you cut it. So I think, and it's also something for me very, um, it's a cover, so it's it's something that's very soothing when um, I know that like I'm working with hair and it's also very spiritual at the same time. 
so the hair is always more of like a comfort but at the same time it's also very like you know people get so icky when they touch other people's hair mm. right <laughs> mm-hmm. right there's like oh the hair is a very also very what do you call personal hygiene and like intimate and the whole thing so really? like yeah so but for me the hair is i think universal at the same time because everybody can we can all relate everybody has a hair and everybody can talk about the hair you know to, so are people already dropping off yeah. here at the museum for you now at the at the studio they're sending the studio. it yeah so we're gonna have uh the museum you could bring your hair you could go up to the sixth floor drop the hair we also we have we'll have a bin and yeah and then we go i'm gonna just start weaving everybody's hair on this altar triptych altar loom that's going to be actually going to go on the museum after the residency (laughs) wow yeah (laughs) i love it so i also saw on your website that you lead trips to oaxaca can you tell me about those so we went last year to oaxaca um last october we did a kickstarter through again using all the neon ropes from the MoMA PS1 and we got funded so we want to see Senor Antonio and Porfirio and um, all the family in Oaxaca and we did a um, what do you call that a dyeing and Zapotec weaving um, workshop with them so it's really great because the um, it's it's great to revitalize the community. So what, and they're also very open as far as like showing, you know, uh, different people how the Zapotec weaving is, is done and sharing all their treasures. So it's really more of like a weaving, dyeing trip that we're gonna start doing every 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 year so we're having one again in October the first week of October and they go we go in you you weave on this like looms that are like 40 years old and then you learn like um, what do you call plant weaving from um, Senora Juana and she is a master dyer I mean she's a dyer I'm, I'm not a weaver her husband is the weaver so and then also to be in Oaxaca is just so magical yeah have you been like it I have yeah I was I was last May studying with weaving with a different family and also watching some of the dying and it was such a special special place yeah 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 I mean yeah I mean we need to it needs to be preserved you know and and also I think it's um there's a need to really show it and also I mean there's you know as you know there's probably a lot of like um, conversation going right now with cultural appropriation and stuff like that so but I think for them they're very happy to share what they have because it goes straight to the community the community you know um, what um, they they benefit from it yeah yeah, because there's yeah. no middle person. It's straight to the community, and they're very proud of their community, and they have a lot of like really incredible, you know, traditions. Yeah. Do you have plans to to do trips to other places too? I think the Philippines is probably going to be the next. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, we're working on going there and 
also, because you know, I haven't been home since my family left during this the early eighties. Mm. So it's it's time for me to go back and reconnect. So maybe that's why this whole series that I'm doing, also for my own personal work, probably have something to do with that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there is there a weaving culture there? Oh yeah, it's very it's being revitalized. Where、uh, the Philippines is actually growing its own cotton now,、mm. so we're revitalizing the cotton growth and like really revitalizing revitalizing all the weaving in all different parts. There's a a, a big traditions of weaving. What kind of weaving do people do?、Uh, they do backstrap weaving, the same,、um, and they do also. They, it's the tenalak tenalak weavers, which is what they call the dream weavers. So it's very spiritual. So the patterns go come to to them in dreams. It's passed on from one generation to another generation. So the different parts of it have different design, just like you know in Guatemala or in Mexico, with the similar to the upilis. You know, every single region have their own particular motif that they weave. And patterns. There's so many different things to ask you about. As I was learning more about you and your business, <laughs> I don't know how you do all these different things. But I have another question for you,、yeah. <laughs> which is that you, I read that you consult and partner with businesses and designers to create garments and installations.、Mm-hmm. You've worked with companies like Eileen Fisher. Yeah. And I'm curious how those partnerships develop, and maybe if you could talk about one of the collaborations you're most proud of. Yeah, well, we with Eileen Fisher, we we didn't per se do a project with them. We got some of their、um, what do you call it、um, reuse fabrics, and we wove them into a, a big in an installation here at the BFDA. We are part of the Brooklyn Fashion Design Accelerator. We are. What do you call a member? So the Brooklyn Fashion Design Accelerator is an initiative that was started by Pratt and all the businesses in the BFA are all practicing sustainable practices. So we all like in this one, you know, common place that we are very aware of our practices as far as sustainable is concerned, sustainable fashion, sustainable materials. But one project that、um, recently. We did.、Uh, it's back here in the U.S. now. That was like two years ago. We did a weaving installation for Ace and Jig, and it went to the Liberty of London store.、Hmm. Uh, yeah, and so they used the, and we wove all their fabric scraps, and we made this really like sculptural loom. And that's where in that was put inside the Liberty of London, and that's where they use they hang all the Ace and Jig、um, project. So that was pretty awesome for us because that was like I had like ten people working on that on that project because there was a tight deadline. Wow. Yeah, and then you know like we in the beginning when I started doing commission work, we worked with Eden. Eden was started by、uh, Bono and his wife Ali, so we were doing their just like fabric、um, yardage for the runways. We don't really do much production because we it's um it's a big capacity, but we do make yardages. For like fashion show or like for like a small collection, 
and what's going on right now is like the um, that's really upcoming is the zero waste um, fabrics um, meaning that like if a designer has a lot of zero waste fabric scraps they could bring it to us and we could make a small yardage out of it for their collection or for their uh, fashion show yeah so for people who live in New York um, you mentioned that people can come to the museum this summer are there other ways they can get involved with your work yeah, we are actually starting like um like you know for all this weaving activation that's happening. There's a big project that I can't really say at the moment, but we are kind of gathering the pe- the the tribe again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mystery. To, yeah, yeah. So they can just um e- email us at info at weaving hand, and this is hopefully going to be fruitful by next summer, and then. Um, just say we would like to volunteer and we would love to have them, you know, just show up in the place and weave and, you know, dress the loom, talk to people. It's a very um, open, it's for everybody. So That's great. Well, Cynthia, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I have two more questions for you, if you have time before you wrap up. Okay, sure. the first one is if you could share with people how they can find out more about your work online and on social media, and then also if you have any words of advice for weavers. Nice. Okay. Um, yes. So, Weaving Hand is uh, well, we are on Instagram and uh, at weavinghand.com, and then our website is www.weavinghand.com, and we're also on Facebook at Weaving Hand, my own personal work. You could find it at um, my own Instagram at Cynthia Alberta Weaver, and I also have my own um, website CynthiaAlberto.com, and you could also email me there if you want to drop some hair and what other materials that you know you think you would want me to weave on that altar loom. <laughs> and I word of advice, I think. Um, you know, just keep trying. I think we all have our own, what do you call it, specific um, talent. Everybody has a talent. Everybody has their own unique gifts. And I was just reading about it, you know, for all the weavers out there. I think we just weave and experiment and not be afraid to swim. Not just for weavers, for everybody, but like, in life in general, I think if you want to try something new, you, it shouldn't stop you because it's never you're never too old to learn something new. It's always, everything should be looked at as a child. It's like the first time you're seeing it, so you should always be excited how you look at things. And then that could be really exciting when you're looking at it from a child's perspective. Then you don't have any learned what do you call it? Um, don't have anything stopping you that you know this or you don't know this. So there's no assumption what it's going to be like. Just go for it. So to go back to being the weaving, if you don't know the weave structure, I think should you just experiment and try it out and something beautiful can come out of it. <laughs> yeah. That's great parting advice for all of us to remember. I love the idea of thinking as a child. Yeah, like they're so innocent, right? They have no, nothing, they're nothing stopping them. They're like mm-hmm. always curious, like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I can do this. <laughs>
That's a wrap. You can see links to everything Cynthia mentioned and see photos of her stunning and evocative weaving pieces on the show notes www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 17. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Paula Stebbins Becker. Paula worked for more than 30 years designing woven dobby and jacquard fabrics for the residential furniture and decorative jobber trades. And she also has a thriving artistic weaving career exhibiting her textile artwork in group shows and galleries nationally. It was a fabulous conversation and I think you'll enjoy it next Monday. Until next time, happy weaving!